Welcome to Everything You Need Is Within, a Spotify Greenroom live audio show and podcast produced by and for Gen Z. With me, your host, Gigi Robinson. Hey everyone, it's Gigi. Welcome back to this week's episode of Everything You Need Is Within. I am so excited to bring you along a wellness and spirituality journey with me tonight. I have an amazing guest and friend that I met through a friend, which is again, the power of networking as I always talk about and implore everyone to network. Um, Cassandra Bianco. She is a in my, in my eyes, a wellness master. Um, and she is just super inspirational and really helps you focus on shifting your mindset and shifting perspectives when things get rough or when you're having a difficult time or when you really need to focus on your mental health and you need to work through certain blocks and challenges. I've actually only spoken to Cassandra about three times, uh, one-on-one, and I can say that with confidence every single time, she has helped me through some challenges that I thought would like minimize my lifestyle, but she's been like, no, 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 honey, we're going to reframe things. And I think that you all are really going to love having her on um, and listening to her journey and also just the tips and tricks that she can provide all of us with because she is just effing amazing. So without further ado, Cassandra, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, love. I love that intro. I mean, (laughs) yay. That's that's sweet of you to say. Thanks so much. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, tell everybody like what your jam is. Tell us a little bit um, about your journey for, for those listening. Also, usually I uh, have, I think there's like a common knowledge that on my shows, I uh, go into it assuming that people do somewhat of research based on the title, based on who's here. So go research your journey and listen to some of that, but tell us some things about your journey, kind of like surface level. And also you could dive deeper and tell us things maybe you haven't told people before or shared before some stuff we can't find generally. on. Yeah. Wow. So thanks so much. I feel like one thing I'm always really proud of is um, the fact that I have friends from all over the world um, at such a young age. So I've, I've had this, you know, international mindset immersed at such a young age and I've had the opportunity to live a few places. So I think that's a big piece. I was actually reading my bio that I wrote when I was nine years old, um, earlier this year. And it's like the same as now, like nothing has changed from, you know, age nine to 35. And, um, it was just so funny that, you know, you might have, more prestige or, you know, a couple more happy lines in the face. But um, I think, yeah, our true essence never really changes. Um, I love that. That's also super interesting because it makes me think about like, what did I want to do at nine years old? And like, where was I at? And why is that different than where I'm at now or vice versa? And like you said, like, we're kind of always in tune with our higher self. It's just a matter of how we get there. So um, can you talk to us a little bit about how you got into spirituality and wellness and like where that? Yeah, sure. I'd love to like, maybe chat about kind of, I love the name of this, by the way, I hadn't thought of this before. So this is a great name to pick. Um, I was like, what is the difference between wellness and spirituality? Um, So I did, I did look up the the definitions in in Oxford. Um, But I feel like my, my definition that really sort of lands with me is wellness is a skill, right? So you either know how to eat properly or sleep the right amount of time, be healthy, have, you know, healthy, nourishing relationships in your life. 
whereas spirituality is the sort of interconnectedness of all beings, right? And just like really, you know, if, if for anyone got to catch the eclipse last night, it's those moments where you're like, wow, like there, there really is infinite potential because we live in a world of, in, a, in, a, in galaxies, multi-galaxies, you know, of infinite potential. Um, and knowing that there is, you know, we have this gift of consciousness, um, even though we're, we're animals, um, even though the, the definition of nature in the dictionary doesn't have um, uh, humans written as part of uh, nature, which is strange, but we, we are animals and sometimes we forget that, but we have the gift of consciousness. So we'll continue to evolve. And I think that's what spirituality is to me is this really that depth of, of nature and um, of, of our nature as human beings. And I love, you know, I love Tibetan Buddhism because they are silly gooses. <laughs> like they are such lighthearted. If you see Tibetan monks, they're always giggling and laughing, just like my teacher, Punsak. Um, his teacher was actually a tutor to the Dalai Lama, but also, you know, wrestling with like deep, deep topics. Um, and whether that's, you know, joy or, con you know, conflict, um, there's always this underlying sort of lightheartedness because that's really the only way to go through life so yeah in a nutshell, that's wellness and spirituality all together for me <laughs> I I really like that and something you just said that I want to emphasize is the importance of having a teacher and what that can mean to an individual right like what's the benefit of finding a good teacher and or in the instance of let's just say education higher education right like how can we maximize our relationship with our teachers so that we can live our highest spiritual spiritual um, self and we can be um, as in touch with our spirituality and wellness as possible? Like what's the... Yeah, this is my favorite question. I'm so happy you're asking, Gigi, because I didn't really understand the importance of teachers as an adult, maybe as kids, right? We're young, we... We're, we're easily impressioned, we need good role models, but even as adults, we need really good teachers, um, especially when we're trying something new, right? So I did yoga for, I don't know, 10 years, but for whatever reason, yoga and meditation have been quite separated um, in America, even though um, historically you, you, you do yoga, you do the physical practice in preparation of the, the physical practice is called the asana, you do the asanas in preparation for meditation. So they, the two really go hand in hand. Um, but for whatever reason, most of the classes I took, even, you know, the best studios in New York city, meditation was rarely taught. You might get like a quick little Shavasana at the end. So it wasn't until I found my teacher, Punsak, and I have many teachers, but it's really him who, um, I, he never sort of asked me to teach meditation. I never planned to, <laughs> it was more that he was living, sort of this embodied um, love just carry has the most love of anyone I've ever met. And, um, and I learned so much about meditation and spirituality through him that I was like, all right, I need to do this as well, because it just, it just felt like I had finally come home once I, once I connected with him. Wow. And again, another thing that just popped out to me was like the idea of love and how that is, 
well, two things. First of all, the idea of love and how that's kind of capitalized uh, in the United States specifically, but also globally, just like it's also like fantasized and it's something that's romanticized that we honestly, I think, have terrible expectations because of the way that either media sets us up or the way that, um, you know, movies, entertainment, uh, even history, right? Like, how has history set love up? Um, how have gender roles been set up? And like, what does that mean for love? And then uh, second to that is just in general, the idea that in the United States, wellness and spirituality have been uh, kind of uh, viewed as and set up to be something that are jading us from what it actually is. And I think that that's super interesting. And unless you dig super deep and find the right teacher, you're not going to know. But let's go back to that subject of love because I'm, you know, 23 years old. I have been, I would say, a hopeless romantic my entire life. I, I think very highly of people. I want to love really like full and I want to put my whole, my whole heart into people that I bring into my life and I support them and I love them. But when it comes to romantic, intimate relationships, I feel like I have such a block because I have this idea in my head and then the expectation doesn't actually happen. So I don't know. I've just kind of word vomited there. I feel like I'm very much so a pessimist when it comes to love. I want to be optimistic about it because I'm optimistic about most things in my specific life. Um, But when it comes to love, it is just fucking hard. So talk to me what what's (laughs) yeah I mean first off did you you have so much love right like I think that's probably one why one reason why you and I hit it off is I can tell you we're similar in that we just care so much to to a fault potentially right like we just give so much we care so much so I think that's um you definitely have the love I think what I've learned is you know I've worked in New York for 12 years and what the the teachings that have really, really helped me is um, learning the difference between masculinity, femininity, and what feminine leadership looks like is very different than, you know, traditional business uh, and how it's carried out today. And, you know, you can feel that. You can definitely feel that. I think the most obvious examples are when you you hear about corporate law firms. And I remember my girlfriends, you know, weren't allowed to wear colored nail polish. I mean, that's like, that is outrageous to me. Like how much more repressive can that be? You know, we might as well be, you know, a fundamentalist mindset with that mindset to me. So, so stuff like that, I just can't relate to. I think that's why I left the corporate world quite a, quite a bit ago, but thankfully, you know, we have millennials and, and Gen Zers running the world now. So that stuff's kind of going away and seen as sort of stuffy, but we still have these crazy things in place. And I found that I was working environments, whether they were all women at like creative agencies or all men at tech startups, um, most people were usually out of balance with one or the other. So, um, and whether you're, you know, you know, gender is so fluid now and whether you're non-binary, it doesn't really matter. Um, masculinity, femininity, we don't even have to use those terms. This, this sort of approach to describing, um, you know, one way to move through the world has, has really helped me. I'm not by any means saying this is like the way, but there's a lot of um, experts out there like John Wineland talking about this stuff. And I think it's understanding, you know, how up until now, a lot of things have been, you know, ultra competitive and done by force. Whereas once we have at least half of 
the population being female-led, you know, business is going to change and the work environment will be different. And you'll have a year and a half paternity leave, perhaps like Sweden, you know, like, I don't know if we'll ever be that um, at that level, because that's definitely one, you know, one totally different than we're at right now, being the only country, a developed country without paternity, paid paternity leave. Um, it's kind of a joke, like we're kind of like a joke to the rest of the world. And it's just because it hasn't been made a priority. So um, where I got really excited is, you know, Gigi and I were, we were helping coach teens in this um, awesome organization called WIT. So these 12 and 14 and 15 year old girls and, uh, and boys um, you know, helping plant those seeds at an early age and saying like, you can build the company of your dreams. Like you don't, you can, you can. And, and, and I think that was what the hardest part was, is one of the 12 year olds was already worried about, you know, life balance. If a 12 year old is already scared about that, what, what example are we setting up for today's youth? You know, like we, we gotta be the role model. So, um, feminine leadership is something I get really excited about. I don't think it's talked about enough. And, for me, that means, you know, softness and kindness is much harder than being um, sort of that harsh, tough love, right? Um, I grew up with tough love. I'm very familiar with tough love. Um, I think it made me the uh, high achiever that I, you know, identify as, but I'm, I'm really embracing this much more, I guess, Tibetan Buddhist mindset and probably many other um, religions as well and cultures of, of soft love, which is harder than tough love in my opinion. Yeah. And thank you so much for like all of this insight. There's a lot that I want to dive deeper into. Um, I love this subject of stepping into your femininity and um, masculine energy as well and how that impacts your career, especially as an entrepreneur. Um, this specifically relates to, again, as Cassandra said, both of us have been working with a group of teens to help them live their best entrepreneurship journeys as, you know, teenagers. Like, how cool is that? Like, when I was a teenager, I set up a business, but I didn't fully incorporate it. Um, we can, fi- like, find ways to actually help them get funding from people, um, make profits, like, make MVPs at the age of. 15 like that is so freaking cool I struggle with that and I'm 23 like (laughs) so I think that's cool but in terms of stepping into more of your like energy different kinds of energy while you're in your business can you talk a little bit more about when it's a good opportunity to let's say like I know it's very situational but let's just kind of set let's set the scene here when should uh, we be stepping into our feminine energy when it comes to entrepreneurship? And uh, when should we be stepping into our masculinity? I know you just said that soft love is much harder to do than tough love because I guess like we're naturally defensive beings maybe, but I, I feel like at least in my business, right? I guess we can take me as an example. I am a freelance content creator. I put myself like up online all the time. So in a lot of ways, I have to step into somewhat of my femininity by presenting well and getting all dolled up and making sure, you know, I like iron everything perfectly and my nails are perfect and my hang nails are trimmed. Like maybe I'm a little bit detail oriented, but that's for me a way that I step into my femininity, right? But then actually showing up, actually delivering speeches, actually being super, super quote unquote business oriented, right? Like even that I feel like 
is more of a masculine energy. And just because of gender roles that have been set by the world, like business has been something that men traditionally, I guess, prior to the 1960s, right, have only been doing their business, right? And and that's like crazy. So the fact that we're at a place in time in this galaxy, as you were describing before, where women can freely in at least in our country in the United States can create businesses. Um, how can we maximize that by playing into both of these energies? Oh, this is the trillion dollar question right here. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I think that's where we need to have the conversation as women. And, and that's also where I run, run women's circles, because I really think it's kind of uncharted territory, right? Um, we've Wait, seen... before we go deeper, oh. can you explain what a women's circle is to our Yes, thank you. Thank you for um, asking. So for me, women's circles are really just gathering women and sharing. And that sounds so simple. But, you know, I have a lot of friends who have had babies. And it's that's usually when they hit this moment of like, oh, crap, like, I don't, you know, I've been focusing on my career my whole life, or I just have my one or two friends, like, they, they, they realize they don't have the support of other women, because they haven't prioritized it. Um, so they don't have that tribe, right? Like it, it does take a village to raise a kid. And um, so I would love if, if we would start gathering sooner as women. And that's a little bit different. Like I've joined some amazing women's networking organizations, and that's fantastic for, you know, sharing opportunities and stuff like that. But to me, sacred space and coming together and, you know, the format I usually do is we kick it off with a meditation to reground everyone, um, connect everyone. And even just the mere, um, just sitting in a circle um, for some people can be triggering, right? Because we haven't done it since we were in kindergarten. In the media, we don't really see it unless um, someone is an AA, <laughs> which is insane because, you know, circle is in our DNA. Like, you know, as, as people, we sat in a circle, you're on the same level looking at everyone. There's not one, not one person on a pedestal. Your back is towards, say, the forest back in the day. So they're like, we're all protecting each other's backs. So sort of in our DNA, it's ingrained for us to do these things. And it's so funny when people haven't sat in circle for a while, we actually did um, a cacao ceremony at Spotify a few months before lockdown happened and getting everyone to sit sort of on the ground in the gym, in the world trade center um, was such a win for us because how often do you see that in, in office settings? And at the end, everyone was so relaxed and I think um, it's like any great experience. It's really hard to explain unless you do it. But I would just really encourage anyone who's craving um, that space. And it doesn't have to be, you know, there are like therapists who run support groups and stuff like that. Like if you feel like you need like, you know, that level of support, I always encourage people to seek that out. But generally, if we are living in community, we, we don't we're all sort of supporting each other at any given moment because we all go through highs, lows, depression, you know, amazing moments in our life. So if we can just kind of make that a priority in our life of having this amazing uh, support and, and shared space um, for women. And then, and I also love to have men occasionally because women, 
um, or, or however, again, however you identify, but the, the idea here is like not, conf not, you know how when you're with like a group of guys and you try to be like a tomboy or I did, I do like with my brother and his friends, right? Even though they're four years younger than me, we would all go out and, you know, when I was in my twenties and I would behave like them because I was trying to fit in. And so what I love about women's circles is it's the opposite of that. It's women just being themselves. And when women get together, it's so nourishing. And when men get together, it's so nourishing. Um, unfortunately, though, that doesn't happen that much, right? Like usually they do that if they're drinking or sports games, which is fine. Mm. But it's even harder for men to share, you know, their feelings. And, and that's why I'm so excited about the younger generations is, and I'm sure you notice that in our teen group too, is they were way more open about talking their, about their emotions, which is so wonderful to see that. Um, it's, yeah. but the hard part is I think anxiety and depression is at an all time high because social media is playing such a part of that. And we're letting, you know, these devices, um, control us versus be tools. They're incredible tools, but we, you know, mm -hmm. we need to learn not to be slaves to them. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm right, ranting a right. bit here, but <laughs> back, back to, I did, <laughs> by the way, I made chocolate truffles earlier and I'm probably on a sugar Ooh. high right now. I usually do podcast interviews early morning. So this is definitely oh, a perfect well, for me. Energetic well, it's, it's about, it's a, about the time of the night in the show that I like to have my little beverageino break. So if anyone's listening and, or if you need a glass of water or you need a chocolate truffle, go for it. I just downed some pizza and honestly, I'm like, <laughs> is my body okay right now? But I'm going to drink some water. Cheers to that. And I have a lot of thoughts about the idea of the circle and how that can kind of bring people together, build that sense of community and make you feel more vulnerable in your emotions. But for now, let's enjoy some water together. <laughs> I don't know if people enjoy the sound of me drinking on these rooms, but it just is what it is. I'm so happy you do a water break because, I mean, mm -hmm. that's sort of wellness integration 101 right Yeah, there, so. absolutely. So I mean, so important. so important. It's also like so natural. Like, why would I cut that out? And drinking water is a natural part of our life in this society. Um, so there's a couple things that you mentioned. Um, when you're talking about this idea of the circle, for me, what came up was the community building that I did in high school when I was a part of a theater group, right? Why do we think theaters and productions require so much, like they require so much teamwork in a way that's so public facing. It's only natural that you might go in a circle and do some exercises to run that energy around, right? Or to, to do a pre-show ritual, right? Like a lot of times you'll see people huddled up or like you said, in sports even, right? Before people perform. Um, why do we think boardrooms like a lot of the time are around one table, right? At the end of the day, that rectangle kind of translates to a circle. Um, so I just think it's about passing the energy through people and using it and feeding off of it to either, you know, perf to perform the best that we can, actually. So I, I really enjoyed kind of just like thinking through that. And also to realize, like, if you're doing it in a way that's to support other people, hopefully, um, it's going to be in, in a place of love and compassion and really understanding one another. And if you are in a circle, even if it's like four people or something, um, you're able to just be honest with it and enjoy it. So I, I really enjoyed uh, 
hearing about that. Yeah. We did have a question more on the business side um, come in that says, if we know that female-led companies and driven companies are better for employees, how do we make that change um, to have more female-led companies? Is it worth waiting for companies to just change the leadership or should we look towards a future of preparing youth to create new companies being female-driven? And I thank Lauren Simmons for uh, sending that in because that is an amazing freaking question. That's a good one. You know, I like to think of the industry as a whole, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, you know, obviously men leading companies. It's more that the industry is just imbalanced. Right. I like, I, what helps me sort of get out of the blame shame game is just to zoom out and be like, okay, we are nature. If we are nature, there's a you know, masculine feminine balance within nature. And our system of living in our modern day is out of balance and it's going to get back in balance. Um, And so what will that look like? You know, like I I really encourage everyone to ponder that journal about that, but what, what will the future of the workplace look like? For me, the biggest change from going to sort of a very toxic um, agency life, which was actually all women um, funny enough was that, you know, we weren't allowed to be emotional. And I just, I couldn't understand that, you know, like we, why can't we be emotional? You know, I was, I remember I had, um, oh, I had hurt my knee really badly and I was just like crying at the office and they were like, if you need to go home, go home, which is fine. But like, why couldn't I just cry? You know, like, why couldn't I just cry and then go back to work? And then I worked in startup world and they're like, oh yeah, we cry all the time. Like, go ahead in the conference room, cry, come back, need to leave for the day. Fine. And again, that's, that's such a sort of more masculine uh, ability to compartmentalize, right? I'm not saying all men can do this, but women, it's much harder for us because that's just not how we operate. And there is a lot of biology and science that supports this. And we are evolving, thankfully, (laughs) as both genders. But when you look at the science behind it, you know, as women, like we integrate everything, you know, we're very much about collaboration And a lot of it has to do with like, we were singing and weaving and cooking, you know, we think we were, we're so evolved, but we're, we're not as evolved as we actually are. Um, And while we were doing that back in the day as cave women, men were hunting and they had to kill an animal and then like hold back on the pain, right? Like they really had to hold back on that pain. And so that's why from a lot of things I've listened to, yeah, like that's one of the reasons why it's harder for men because they, they had to be violent back in the day, right? Holy like, crap. Yeah. Holy yeah. crap. Like it, wasn't, it wasn't the women that were- My hunting. mind is blown. Yeah. Yeah. When I heard that, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. And it's like, you have so much more compassion now for the guy I was dating when like he couldn't oh express God. how he was feeling at 38, you know? It's like, okay, like it's a, it's a skill wow. and, and it requires us- A straight up Neanderthal. Yeah. I mean- I don't, I don't, I mean, it's funny to think that way, but it's like, you know, we, as women and, and John Wineland, by the way, if anyone's interested in the subject, I really uh, recommend him. He's studied with David Data, who wrote The Way of the Superior Man. Um, he talks a lot about this. And when he said that, I just felt like, okay, this makes so much sense because I like to think about things that happen in my personal life and then think about the office. And like, I really always saw the office as like, it could be community, right? Like I've worked in places where it felt like community. I wouldn't say family. Family is like a, another dynamic, but there can be lots of love and, and, and closeness and bonding between 
colleagues, but I, I think community, um, especially, you know, in, in this pandemic post post lockdown, as we transition, it's like, how can we create safe spaces in the workplace? How can we create safe spaces everywhere we are? Because we're all PSD, PSD, sorry, PTSD victims at this point, you know, and we don't even have to use that labeling if it, if it makes people uncomfortable, but just really prioritizing every single zoom call, right? Like, I'm so grateful. I think that's the silver lining is that people do actually feel comfortable kicking off, you know, six deep belly breaths before a meeting because scientifically proven that resets our nervous system. And so to see CEOs do that and be like, this is really important for us as a company. Um, I think we're going to start seeing these little changes here and there. And um, yeah. And um, yeah. So I don't think I answered the female leadership question. <laughs> um, it's something that I struggle with because, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, similarly to Gigi, like anything I wanted, I sort of always went after it um, growing up and I have sort of that uh, very one-tracked mind at times. Right. Um, so being, you know, I think the biggest thing for me is learning how to attract versus, um, which is, seems like much less effort and much, it requires just ease, right? Attracting things. And for me, that's really sharing my heart. Like whenever I share something um, that's really, I think going to help someone else process something that they're going through, whether that's, you know, I'm, I'm very open about having struggled with paralyzing anxiety my whole life and how I've sort of reframed that now into realizing it's, it's usually not always, but usually blocked creativity. Um, if I'm not dancing or singing or writing or that's when the anxiety pops up or if, or if my basic needs don't feel met. Right. So it's usually one or the other or both. And so if I can deconstruct those things, then it's much easier to deal with like whatever's coming at me rather than sort of being in, in, in conflict or um, uh, what am I trying to say here? Yeah. R rather than having that sort of harshness, I, I really try to create that internal um, peace and then you know whatever I'm dealing with business wise there's there's no need for it to, to to escalate like you know how sometimes things can get sort of competitive in a work environment or um you know you know the, the, yeah. the inner office conflicts and stuff like that it's like I was able to rise above that mm -hmm. as soon as I started meditating and teaching yeah. meditation that I mean that's how I got into it I was working at an incubator we had like a very, very young founder. So I saw it right out of the get-go. It wasn't my first rodeo and everyone was so stressed and every department was blaming each other. And I, I just knew it was because there was no organization. So I, I never saw anyone as like, everyone was so nice and so talented and smart. So I, I really like loved most of the people, even though I didn't know them well. And so I just started pulling them aside. Very, very, I was very like sneaky. I, I pulled two girls aside and was like, Hey, let's meditate for five minutes. I never forced it on anyone. I wanted to make sure it felt like exciting and intriguing. And so they invited people and then they invited people. And then before I knew it within a few weeks, you know, I was the safe person at the office. We had a room of 10 people meditating for sometimes almost 45 minutes. And then sometimes they would, you know, want to chat after that and process what just happened. And wow. um, I just, and that's how I got into it. Cause I was like, wow, like if I can create safe spaces in the workplace, that's how I can change, you know, that's how I can be a change for good. So that's kind of how I got into it. Absolutely. 
I love all of that. And just looping bef- before we lose track of the original conversation about female leaders, I think the idea that a group of people can come together before they do something and do it with like intention and power versus just kind of diving in kind of all over the place. Like that is the beauty of being spiritual and making sure that you're connecting with your mind and your body, like, you know, through meditation and breathing. Um, And then you're also doing it on an emotional and, and cognitive level, right? Where you are doing it with a group of people literally in one space. And like you said, there's science that proves like when you do things together that um, it, it can, you know, generate power and it can generate a lot of energy. And if you're able to connect with like a higher spiritual body, whatever that is, um, it can help you like prepare better and perform better. So I, I really just think that's so fascinating. And um, I want to dive deeper into the subject of starting your own business as a woman, um, as a female entrepreneur. And um, just, I guess, to touch on that, um, uh, Lauren, for part of me, like my journey has been that I have just always been a very go-getter driven kind of person. I think it led me to a lot of different places in my life that, again, I'm very grateful for, but I wouldn't have had had I not put myself out there and had I not thrown myself into this kind of like fight or flight where I was like, okay, well, it's either I make it work or I don't have anything, right? Um, Even like with this show, right? Like I, and brand deals, I literally made an entire pitch deck and like cold messaged maybe 30 different people on the internet that I had never really met with before. Um, And it just so happened that I connected with the right person. And here I am six months later on green room with my own show, right? So how can we teach people to step into uncertainty a little bit more and do it with intention and also do it in kind of like the, do it with the idea that even if it doesn't work out, even if you don't end up getting like a, a benefit from it, you at least did something that to try. Um, And I think that's something we have to instill in the younger generation, especially when it comes to business, because one, there's like the great resignation happening right now between millennials and Gen Zers that are new to the workplace, right? Like we are seeing more people leave their corporate jobs than ever before and starting their own ventures. And I think that's fucking amazing. So the fact that both of us work with teens and we help them, you know, in their entrepreneurship journey, like get ready uh, for, for all of that. I think that it's just like really, it's really powerful. It's really amazing. And hopefully we can just set the stage for them to do better in the future. And I just think also we have to take a step even further back, right? Like not all teens have access to after school programs like the one that we teach at, right? Not all teens are in an education system that supports innovation or that supports moving society forward. A lot of the system uh, of education in the United States of America is very backwards and it's not progressive at all. And it's not totally (laughs) it's not in a place that's nurturing the ideas that these kids have and it's not in a place where the future is in mind and I think that's part of the problem so the more conversations that we have about it the more uh, these teens start listening to shows and conversations like this one with people like us who are kind of foraging away 
to make it digestible for teens, whether that's through live audio, Instagram, social media, like whatever, even looking at social media, right? To understand how social media is going to be used in the future and how they can leverage it for a business specifically, how they can make sure that they have a relationship with it to the point where their mental health is not phased. It's just another tool, right? The same way you said wellness is a tool, social media is a tool. How can we leverage that so that we can live in our highest self, our most present self, and be the most functional as possible? So that's what I have to say on that. And to do that, we have to look deeper into the education system. We have to go to the government. We have to lobby. We have to change it. We need to speak up. And that's all that I have to say about that. And I think Gen Z is going to just continue to push that button further as we get older and as we grow into uh, you know, our jobs and in our place in the entrepreneurial world. Um, I did bring up Lauren Simmons to talk uh, if she has to say anything about that and just uh, have oh, a, a little combo with us. So uh-huh. I just wanted to throw that out there. And uh, yeah, welcome. Thank you so much. Um, well, you just said a lot, but I think one of the ways to support um, Gen Zers or even people that are looking to to make a change um, I think one of the things that's been instrumental to me and my journey and where I'm at today, I mean, essentially now being an entrepreneur is um, stepping out of my comfort zone, like being uncomfortable with being comfortable. And one of the ways to get to that, um, that has really helped me in so many ways has been meditating and realizing that um, to me, the universe has your back and knowing that like, not just like an affirmation, but like as a gut, as an intuition to drive me through my day to day and not being stressed on, okay, this still didn't happen. Oh, I didn't get this email back. And just realizing that life and the universe is going to give you all the answers that you need. If there's something that you have in your mind that you're wanting to do, you have all the answers around you as well as knowing who you are. And the only way to really understand who you are is by building that deep relationship with yourself and building that early on. And one of the ways to do that, I wish, like I've been practicing, um, I've been meditating for, I guess, wow, 10 years now, but I wish I had learned or had a community around me to have taught me that in high school and even earlier. And I think where we're at now with the great resignation or even, you know, young Gen Zers, you know, deciding to go on these entrepreneurial endeavors or turning these side, side hustles into business is that there is more of a community and awareness out there that can lean support and say, you know, whatever your passion or your purpose is for this moment in time, like it, it maybe it won't be it in five to 10 years, you can go out there and explore and realize, you know, every venture that you go through may not always be successful, but I think through that power of having relationship with yourself and understanding what it is that you want to do. And also through the power of meditating, I think, or, or, you know, just being in stillness, you can really be limitless. And, um, and then the third is, is just having more of a community that we're in, in this world today, where it's more books, more platforms, more TV shows that talk about this openly and people, don't feel like they're crazy they feel like they're supported and and that it's okay to to try whatever they want to do such an important point about the stillness I think that's just a quality that's so normal in other cultures but in the west it's such we because we're 
sort of primed for an upward arrow of capitalism, which as we know, doesn't work, right? Like everything that goes up must come down. So, um, so knowing to go inward. And I think, um, you know, I didn't have a very introspective lifestyle up until maybe six years ago. So this, this is still very new territory for me. Um, but anyone who's an artist or journals or meditates, all of sort of that very, very sort of better off crew there, they're, they're way ahead of the game, right? Because they, they understand the importance mm -hmm. of peace and solitude. Um, and so you, you made a really good point in terms of that. I mean, at least that's what happened, hopefully, for a lot of people during lockdown is for the first time, maybe ever, they did get stillness and, and learned how beautiful that is versus painful, right? Because for some people, that's a very, very scary thing. But once you sit, like you said, in that discomfort, that's where the magic of that and um, yeah, I think another good thing to think about is when, what one thing I love about the Tibetan Buddhist principles is this idea of like, you can always turn to, they say like the three jewels and I'm, I'm translating here from like the, the Sanskrit words, but basically it's community, it's wisdom and sort of um, uh, community wisdom and kind of like the, your calling right and i feel like if in any moment you know you could turn to your community or you could turn to the deeper wisdom that really does provide this refuge um for you no matter what you're going through um last night i was i was actually struggling a bit with anxiety lately um just some contract deals didn't go through like i had hoped and i watched the desmond tutu dalai lama movie last night uh mission joy highly recommend it and that was just such a recharge for me. You know, I haven't watched a Dalai Lama film in, in years. It's not like, even though my teacher studied, um, teachers was a tutor to the Dalai Lama. I haven't, you know, I haven't um, watched too many recordings of him, but just seeing these like deeply wise, beautiful people talk about joy who have been through so much suffering and just be giggling eight-year-old boys as they self-described throughout the movie was so fun. We're just, everyone in the theater was just giggling the whole time. And um, yeah, I think we really, if we can turn to um, understanding what's meaningful, um, the word usually is dharma for that, but what's understanding, what, what gives us that meaning where that beautiful wisdom is. And for some of us, you know, perhaps we have a parent or an elder. And if not, that's where we need to seek out those elders. That's where we need to seek out those mentors and teachers and um, that's why I have a whole business where I've rallied all of the best of the best mister, masters. And, and, and I just, it took me years to find them, you know, <laughs> like 30 years to find them. So I was like, all right, how can we share this with the world? And I actually have an online uh, women's circle program called Masters and Mystics that just started. And that's been really magical doing it online as well, because we get to connect with women all over the world. We're an intimate group of 10 people, cohort. Um, uh, we actually have one place available if anyone wants to join, if that, if, if that feels aligned. Um, but this idea of creating something meaningful um, and whatever work you do. And, and I think, Gigi, that's where I'm so inspired by you is you, you use your platform for good, right? Like you are a mental health advocate. 90% of influencers out there are just selling fashion and you know, food products, and there's no deeper message there. They're, they're scared. They're scared to go deep, and you're not. And I think you're setting a really good example 
of both the lightheartedness. Oh, and thank you so much. <laughs> that that means the most. And I think what both of you have said, for me, at least what I'm hearing is kind of like, we really need to emphasize the community aspect of everything um, in our life uh, and in in business, whatever we are doing there, you know, um, I feel like right now in social media, which again is a very beautiful thing. If you, if you use it as a tool, right. And you use it as a mechanism to propel your business rather than a self-deprecating void of comparison, um, to other people who have more than you do or look better than you do, or not even better, but look a way that you think that you need to look to achieve whatever it is in life. And I think also the, the most recent revelation that I have had when it comes to social media and when it comes to finding your niche, it's called a niche for a reason, right? Like we niche down and we find the people that we want to attract into our business. Um, for a reason. And that, that essentially is something that eases my anxiety when it comes to the idea of competition. Um, so as I guess a a young entrepreneur in my first, uh, I'll be going to my second year of official business, although I've been practicing social media for years, I would say I literally established my LLC last year, and I'm going to do a whole episode breaking down money stuff with that in the near future. However, that's not the point here. Like I'm going into this second stage and I'm like, well, what can I create? How do I not compare myself to other creators that I think are doing better? And at the end of the day, there's nothing I can do because they're doing something that works for them and their audience. And there's nothing that I could do and put out a product that was similar to theirs that would work on my audience because my audience knows that that's inauthentic to me. And this is specific to my social media pages, but let's say this was, um, you know, about your wellness circle. You're not going to market a women's wellness circle to a bunch of athletes, um, like male athletes, at least right now. Um, That's not your focus. There might be somebody else that coaches athletes professionally on spirituality or meditation, right? And that's okay. It's okay. You're not meant to be somebody that's looking for answers or looking for every single audience, right? Um, Totally, totally. And I feel like that's one example right here is a masculine feminine is some people go in and they're like, this is their demographic, da, 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 da. You know, this is what the data says. Very important, right? Like I I would love to know what people are Googling and then I would probably write about that. Um, But the intuitive side, right? That's where I think you and and, uh, Lauren were touching on this, like understanding our intuition as women it's not some crazy woo-woo thing right like er doctors have to make snap right judgment calls um every That's the day viewership we can just kind and, of do- yeah yeah and intuition's a muscle and so the more we can use it it grows and grows and um and instead just like let our demographic show itself like for me i realized i'm attracting a lot of um, deeply empathic people, so people who identify as empaths, um, people who identify as HSP, highly sensitive people. Um, so these are usually very creative people, um, and as well as creative entrepreneurs who are so passionate about what they do. So a lot of those traditional scaling your market to kajillion people <laughs> doesn't really work as well. You do have to be more niche, like you were saying. One of my students is an author. Sure, her book is. Um, Actually, it was just announced it's going to be a Netflix show, which is amazing. Her name's Andy Bartz. Um, 
what we should read. We were there, never there. It'll be on screen soon, I guess. But um, but I, I I didn't set out to find my people. They just kind of that's just kind of what came into my orbit. Um, and I think that's that's nice, right? Because I'm or I've grown more organically rather than saying like this is who who I'm going after. If that's helpful, anyway. I'm, I'm I was trying to give more examples of <laughs> feminine versus masculine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it's all super helpful. I also think like the idea of like shooting your shot and just trusting your intuition can be so scary because we're just scared of failure, right? Like that's ultimately why people don't like uncertainty, there rejection. They're scared of uh, failure. They're scared of judgment. They're scared of not being liked or saying the wrong thing. Why? Because they maybe have a fear of abandonment, right? Or they have um, connection and, and love issues and they're equating their love issues to communication problems and communication problems to hiding their emotions. So how can we work through some of this uncertainty when it comes to the workplace and entrepreneurship specifically? That's an amazing question. I think what's coming up for me is when I, the first startup I worked at was like a seven person SaaS startup. And there was no way you could finish the work at the end of the day, even if you didn't sleep that night. And I remember my colleague was like, you have to show up and be ready to play. (laughs) And I think that kind of is kind of how it is with entrepreneurship. Just like be ready to fail, fail hard, fail fast, you know, be humble, own it, move forward, learn from it, have the growth mindset. Um, And I think, that's kind of where it's at, right? Like as long as we can own it and we're not, you know, deeply hurting someone or creating, you know, a terrible situation, God forbid, um, it's okay. Like it's, we're going to make mistakes. It's going to be an experiment. Um, and if, if we can just like, cause I'm, you know, I'm a meditation teacher, so I, I do tend to be a bit more <laughs> philosophy focused, but if we can zoom out for a second, right? Like we've been so results driven. If we can focus more on, the artistic process, right? The process of being an entrepreneur, the process, it's going to be so much more joyful than just focusing on resort results. And again, that's the feminine is the, the mystery, the unknown. And I think that's where I get really excited is, you know, there's, thank goodness, there's, you know, so much talk now about uh, the future is female and all these things, but we're not really digging into what that means. Like, what does that really mean? Well, it means that we're going to be all okay with emotions and we're going to know self-regulation with those emotions, right? We're not going to go lashing out at people or anything like that. We're going to know how to heal, how to self-soothe, how to feel empowered in the moment rather than, you know, letting someone in a lot of pain take out whatever they're going through on us, right? So I think that's where I get really excited about this topic is it is complex, but there's so much, you know, this could be a five-hour conversation and and, um, and, and, and also I think female leadership is what I think, um, you guys were getting at before is embodiment, right? Making places from a, making decisions from a place of like, this is, this is what needs to be done for the greater group of, of the people at the company, not the business, right? Like the, if you take care of the people, the people will take care of the business. And so much focus is on well, we need to do this for the business. And like, this is what it takes. And I just, I couldn't understand that. You know, I, I worked in multi-million dollar agencies and billion dollar unicorns in the tech world. And I, it always felt like the animal kingdom was the way I described it. I was like, why is everyone acting 
so crazy. Like, you know, I just couldn't relate to that. At any point, I'd rather go work at a restaurant rather than treat other people, you know, with kind unkindness. And the and um, I'm a talker today. Definitely, definitely Friday night was like a good fun spot a, for me. We should but, we should just end on a beverage you know yeah. note. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll say quickly, the, the, the helpful thing was knowing that when we're stressed, we physically cannot feel empathy, Ooh. right? So it actually, the, our receptors in our brain inhibits empathy. Because if you think about it, people are generally quite lovely and good to each other. But in moments of stress, it does bring out the worst in us. And chronic stress, chronic stress is horrible, as we know, for, for our health. A um, little bit of acute stress is okay, like, you know, cold, cold immersion and and all that sort of, you know, ice baths and that stuff that that sort of is really great for stress resiliency. But long term stress is awful. And I think when I learned that I was so able to forgive my colleagues who, you know, were really inappropriate, right? I probably could have filed multiple harassment suits. (laughs) But I didn't, you know, and I will never say names. And I, I was just a very obedient child back then. And and didn't know what the word empowered even meant. And now I run women's circles. And that's the word I use more than anything, because I really don't want um, that to be the case for anyone else, um, if, if possible. So anyway, on a good note, I'm the happiest to be alive at this point in time, I have to say, like, as crazy as the world is, it's, yeah. we are the most empowered, as people of color, as women, as, you know, transgender, you know, non-binary, like we are more empowered now than we've ever been. And I think that's what gets me really excited is, um, yeah, I think I would have been burned at the stake if I were born any other, (laughs) any other decade. (laughs) Wow. I think, yeah, also it's, it's really interesting because I also look to this past year and I mean, I say year and a half, but we all know we're going into junior year of the pandemic, right? Like it is about to be the third year that we have been um, kind of like in the know about this. And that's kind of scary. Um, That that's a little bit crazy to me, but anyhow, um, part of the reason why I wanted to talk about that is because people like you, people like me and many others, um, specifically many other minority owned businesses have found an opportunity to really go deeper in and hard, more hardcore on their business, because we've gotten fearless in building our community. The only way that we were able to actually connect with one another was through social media, right? Through community building, through making funny videos or talking about things that actually mattered, like the injustice going on, right? And that really banded a lot of people together. On the flip side of things, it also polarized a lot for us and it made it a lot more clear where our world is when it comes to the more structured elements of our life and uh, the more like specific um uh what's the word limitations that forces like the government put on us right and the regulations that are put on our life um to limit our like the connectability of is that even a word is connectability a word anyway let's, let's make it it's let's done. make it a word for, for right now for right now it's a word like there it's limiting that so i just think if we are able to be aware of those polarizations, speak up and speak for our communities and with our communities and like as allies to minority communities, we're able to have discussions about ways that we can progress forward in ways that we can all support one another's business in the same way that I talked about niches before. I think it's the same for community building 
like when it comes to actually making a difference and raising our like spirituality and our our businesses like allowing our businesses to flourish um even when it's scary even when the times are like tough like I think the having the community is just the only way that's going to move us forward and on that note I think that's what is going to also encourage young people um and young listeners who identify as female to speak up and become entrepreneurs and become public speakers and become industry changing people. Um, I think that's so beautiful. And even, even like our parents, right? Like right now, like some people's parents, like including mine, like they, I feel like in a lot of ways, my parents live in the 1950s. Sorry, mom and dad, if you're listening. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of these gender roles that a lot of boomers still kind of are holding on to. So we're just living in a really cool time I, I, that I can only see getting better if we band together and decide to uh, co- create and collaborate instead of compete and tear one another down because there is enough bread for everybody um, when it comes to entrepreneurship. Uh, it's just about finding your own lane. So I think that's important. And I also think like one other topic that I wanted to just discuss a little bit before we end today is kind of like working through when you're having either anxiety or like maybe like a really hard time accepting a decision that you've made. Um, it can be any any decision maybe because I wanted to make it somewhat broad. Uh, it could be about business. It could be about a friendship or a relationship, but how can you kind of get through the anxiety of thinking like, oh, like, you know, that feeling of it's like, oh, like, here's what I should have done or like replaying something in your head a million times. And like, why do we hang on to it? And how can we get through it? And how can we ease our anxiety and make sure that our mental health is like protected and that our, I don't want to use mental health as a buzzword, but like our, our psyche, I guess, is safe um, from like, I don't know, from whatever the anxiety is trying to do. Is that question making any sense? I don't know. Yeah. How to deal with, so it sounds like you mean like the rumination of it, right? Like once the event decisions were made and then it just loops and loops and loops. So very good question. So again, good refresh was this um, documentary I watched last night and um, this very famous researcher put um, like, I guess those things that they put on the brain to sort of monitor the brain activity on a control group and um, monks and they shocked them and did all these things. And they noticed that the meditation group um, didn't have ruminating thoughts once the shock had happened, but people who didn't meditate would keep ruminating like long after the event had happened, or even if the event didn't happen, just the, they would sense I'm send an alarm and the brain would immediately kind of go into trauma mode, I guess. So that was just a wonderful reminder of meditation and taking control of the mind in the sense of just becoming aware of the thoughts is control, right? It's control in the sense of like, oh, like I can become aware of my thoughts. So that way I don't become my thoughts. And that's where meditation or any sort of introspective practice is enormously helpful for a lot of people. If they haven't found their meditation teacher, like I, I hadn't six years until six years ago, um, meditation is hard for them. 
before getting into meditation, because I always recommend that, maybe it's just a matter of spending more time in your flow state activity, right? Because you have that similar regeneration happening to your brain, to your body, to your heart, to your soul, right? I Can of, you explain flow state briefly? Yeah. Yeah. So flow state, you know, you know what it is, like maybe not the word, but you've had it happen, right? Like if you're falling in love with someone, you don't, or you, if you're talking to someone you love, a best friend, a family member, you don't know if it's been five minutes or five hours, right? There is no sense of time and place. If you're doing a creative activity that you love, if you're swimming, if you're in nature, that's flow state. That is what we need to be doing as a society and making a priority of that, you know, during our day, not just leaving it for the weekends, finding those little moments of, of peace throughout the day, whatever that looks like, because that is going to reprogram us and really sort of, sort of clear anything that's happening right there. And it, it is a muscle and it is a practice, right? If I move and I stop journaling every day, it's a lot harder for me to get back into the habit. I've been journaling consistently almost every week for the last three years. I never used to, um, but that's been a game changer for me. And I can get into deep flow state that way. And, and, and for me, for that, it's like there's certain things, like if it's in the evening, I'll light multiple candles. And um, that is just a game changer because the candles really are, again, like we used to sit around a fire for thousands of years telling stories. This is why our brains and marketers know this so well, that our, our brains are primed for storytelling because that's how we learn and, and feel connected to society. So um, candles, journaling, telling your story, um, whether it's to yourself or other people, really, really important. So I think anything that's fun, it's, it's sort of our duty or anything that we're curious about, that we haven't any activity or passion that we might have, if we haven't sort of opened that door yet, it's, it's our duty to, right? Because that could be your calling. That could be an activity that leads you to your calling if you don't know what your mm. calling is yet. And I, and that's why I love looking, working with little kids. Cause I feel like, and, and teens and tweens, cause I right. feel like I, I didn't have that person when I was little being like, Oh, wow. Like you really, you are really a communicator, <laughs> you know, like I didn't like, I somehow got into mm -hmm. communications, but, um, had someone been like, for example, yeah. I've, spent, I've been spending a lot of time with this wonderful eight-year-old girl and she's so creative and, um, I really could see her being a designer or being like, she really just, she will take up anything, anything recycled or upcycled and make art out of it. It's really impressive how her mind works. And right. so I was talking to her dad, you know, like, Hey, maybe she should, you know, look into biomimicry or look into, um, because, you know, otherwise you have people who just pick a random major when they get to college. That sounds right. Right. That's what I did. I was like, yeah. oh, this seems like it sounds right. interesting. Check. And mm -hmm. didn't think twice about it, but back to your question, anxiety. And the more we can be safe spaces and just have that intention, even on business calls, right? Like I've had clients tell me that they couldn't, they have like no headspace to hire wellness yet. Yeah. They get on the phone with me and open up. I hear everything for 45 minutes and, and I'm sitting there and I hold space for them because you know, I, I have the ability to in that, in that moment, but I'm sitting there and I'm just like, let us come teach meditation to you. You clearly need it. You know, you clearly want it. Um, so if we can sort of operate yeah. 
and, and it's a very different mindset than sort of this individualist mindset of like, this is who I am. I'm going to show the world who I am. That's beautiful. We do that naturally if we just come from a place of peace, you know, because in our default, we are all, mm, we are. Right. Peace is our default. We were all peaceful, loving, curious kids. Um, around age seven is when that analytical mind starts developing. And then we give much more focus to the analytical mind than we do the creative mm. mind. We don't really cultivate that unless we're, you know, we quote unquote identify as an artist. Um, then maybe we, you know, build that muscle. So any form of play or being with children or animals, whatever can get you into that present moment is so important. It's, it's just, it's the most, it's our job. It is our job to do that as we yeah. move into this, this new society I, that we're, we're building together. Right. Like also the idea that we're moving into a future where social media and digital technology is not going away. We know this. Um, right now, we spend about 50% of our days on our phones or on a screen. That's pretty fucking insane, right? The point there is how can we play and how can we come up with new ideas and new ways to play when we're kind of locked into our screens? And that's where I think disconnecting and finding a practice that really sets us up to um, be able to play or to be able to go into nature without checking our phone every single minute or taking it out to just snap a quick picture, you know, like those kinds of moments I think are really important. And if we can, again, go back to the education systems that are happening, I'm very passionate about this. Watch me Actually, everyone here who's listening, mark my words, in the future, you'll see me looking into implementing social media and digital technology classes into our education system. It's going to freaking happen. Um, I already feel it. Oh, my yes. blood, my blood, force. <laughs> my, my, <laughs> my blood just boils because to implement things like that, we have to look at the education system holistically and realize like, oh, like we, we have to find ways to disconnect the kids, the next generation from, um, the, the technology, but also teach them the same things that um, maybe other people have known, or we need to really update the education system because God knows when the last time it was updated, right? And we're not functioning back in the year 2000, right? Like that was 22 years ago. What the hell? Um, and at the, at the, if we're teaching the same stuff in the same way, there's a problem with that. Um, I remember very vividly on the note of futuristic talking um, when the idea of the smart board came out. Um, and to anyone listening who doesn't know what a smart board is, it is a whiteboard that essentially is it's digital and it saves the notes. So um, if kids were absent and they needed access to notes, it would go into like a digital file and then kind of like uh, upload to a database where students could access it or print it and put it in their notebook. So to me, when that first came out, I was in like fifth or sixth grade. Um, and I just remember thinking, why would they not just continue writing down on the whiteboard, right? Um, like, it's just, <laughs> it's just really interesting to think about that. And then just think about the actual content, right? Um, so if we're moving into a, a different world with the technology, obviously it's going to affect us cognitively, emotionally, um, and and mentally, um, and, and technically, right? So how can we just figure out ways to change all of that is, is at the forefront of, I think, what, what we're trying to do, especially in working with teens and giving them tools to manage uh, just the ways that 
we as adults at this point, I don't think I can call myself an adult at 23, but you, I think, I, I don't know. Do you consider yourself an adult? What even is the word adult? Oh, That's no. a whole other conversation, but not at all. You know, <laughs> in, in, in contrast to teenagers and kids that are in lower education, right? Um, we're older, more experienced people in life, and we can hopefully give them the tools and have the conversations that may be troubling them, or they might not even realize like, oh, wow, like I didn't realize actually taking notes on my computer is making me very distracted. Honest to God, every single time I used my computer in college, I had my notes up. I had the reading up on the page. I had my Amazon, you know, account open. I was working on another homework assignment. Like I was so distracted and not focused versus being, you know, thinking back to my, my days in high school or elementary school or middle school where I had an actual notebook out. And the only thing I could do in class was sit with my notebook and the book on my table. And that was it, right? So we're so distracted. How can we even narrow our focus and how can we leverage wellness um, as a tool for that? And I just think the more we get a gra- grip on that, the better our lives will be. So that's what I have to say on that tonight. And I too have been rambling, but um, to close out the show tonight, I wanted to ask you what your favorite quote and or mantra is, something that keeps you going, something that keeps you connected, something maybe you say every day or you journal down. What is your mantra and how did you find it? Hmm, that's a good one. Um, I think I have a couple, um, but I think the one the one that I do the most and in, I think it kind of goes along the lines of affirmations, which I'll generally do at the end of a journaling session because I'll be in a very deep, you know, subconscious or flow state there or at the end of meditation. Um, So I'll usually say, you know, um, I am love, I am peace, um, and I am, you know, empowered. And I think I have to tell myself these things over and over and over again um, to constantly, you know, rewire. And, and one day I just will be, I will be embodying those, you know, all day, every day. Um, we're human, so we're not perfect, but, um, if, if that is my intention in the world is to move through the world that way, then, um, that's how I want to see myself. And maybe others see myself, maybe others see me that way, but, um, I sometimes need to remind myself and yeah yeah so you are your intention I fucking love that that is so brilliant I love that that is gonna be a new thing I'm gonna I'm gonna write that that I'm gonna I'm gonna share this quote with everybody on our Instagram page once we once we get this episode out but um Cassandra this has been such a amazing conversation I'm probably gonna listen to it like twice over because it was so good but thank you so so much where can everyone find you where can they learn more about your work join your women's circle um you know look more into your wellness journey listen to other episodes like just tell tell the tell the fam where they can find you yeah would love please reach out if any of you felt like some bolt of connection here I would love to connect with you I, I do have like a free clarity call you can just book me directly on my site cassandrabianco.com um, you can follow me on instagram it's cassandra underscore bianco underscore um, I have a, a weird relationship with social media that I'm slowly working through <laughs> um, Gigi's gonna help me oh, with yeah that. I got you girlfriend <laughs> you know we're working on the, <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth and we're, we're getting there um, yeah 
but that I mean, I, I eventually would like to, to be off um, and maybe post, you know, once a month or once a week. That, that is kind of my goal for digital well-being. But for now, that is where I post, you know, anything that's going on. And yeah, Masters and Mystics is our women's circle. Um, and we have um, the cohort just kicked off. So if anyone wants to join that, all of the information is on my website. Feel free to book me for a chat. And yeah, excited. We could do another yeah. conversation in person when I'm in, in January. <laughs> yes. Well, we'll do it regardless. Ah, it oh my God, wait, but... that's the best news in the world. <laughs> yeah. That's the best news in the world. Anyone in New York, come meet up with us. But um, thank you so, so much. This has been so amazing. Um, I am just so very grateful for you and I appreciate it. And as a result of this, I'm just going to say everything you need is within people. You got this. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you leave us a review and make sure you come listen to next week's episode, which is uh, a surprise to both you and me because I am figuring out what is going to be. Oh, um, I have names for you. You need names. Oh, names oh okay. And thank you to <laughs> the listeners who stayed. There's a few of you who have stayed the whole yeah. time. I love you. Yes, Please yes. <laughs> thank you, everyone. Thank you. All right. Happy Friday. Happy weekend. And happy holidays to anybody celebrating the upcoming holidays um happy hanukkah to my jewish friends and happy thanksgiving uh, to anybody that celebrates thanksgiving um i hope you eat lots of good food over the next couple of weeks and uh, listen to lots of good podcasts and shows because that is what will build our community which is the subject of tonight but anyway i'm gonna get off stop rambling and go out with a friend because it's friday night Woo! so good night everyone love you mucho Mwah. Thanks for listening. Mahalo from Maui. <laughs> ciao, ciao. Ciao.